Here we go, another episode of Goss on the Go, all the sports talk you need from the week in 30 minutes. Before we get into it, we got to give shout outs to our friends, the people who make this podcast and all the Godzilla Media podcasts possible. If you support Godzilla Media, we hope that you can support these great people. We're talking about our friends over at Johnstone Supply in Troy, Fujitsu Duckless Splits, Energy Saving, Ultra Low Temperature Models can operate less than 15 degrees Fahrenheit. This is your spot. If you're looking to make some changes in your home, whether it's ventilation, air conditioning, whatever it might be, you make the move with Johnstone Supply in Troy. 6th Avenue right there in Troy next to that famous barbecue spot. And not just that, how about now carrying the J-Series VRF systems for even more efficiency and flexibility for your home. And maybe you're looking for something like Westinghouse made by Fujitsu for that basic cost-efficient option for you. Stop at a Johnstone Supply in Troy. Say what's up to my guy, Tom. Or maybe it's James, Kevin, Rob, all the guys up front, fantastic people. You can meet them today, johnstonesupply.com, or give them a call at 518-272-5922. Again, again, 518-272-5922, Johnstone Supply in Troy. And our friends over from the Mohawk family. This summer selection is king. We've told you all summer long and some of you are still waiting. Now you're getting to the point where you're thinking, all right, I got that summer vacation coming up. Do I trust my vehicle? Make the drive out to Glenville. Stop over and say hello to Mohawk Honda and the great crew there that will help you find the vehicle you're looking for. I'm driving the pilot around the capital region for my summer road trips. I don't have it in my driveway right now. My wife and the baby took off. They want to go visit the aunts and grandma, Mohawk Honda can help you or your family with vehicle trips this summer. Stop in, find out about their selection, trade in your vehicle for the price that you deserve. And don't forget, coming up on Monday, August 16th, we continue to expand our love for the Mohawk family as Levac and Goss. Hey, that's me. Levac and Goss will be broadcasting live from Mohawk Chevrolet in Malta, the new store. Check it out, 4 to 6 o'clock. We're going to be live on the Techies Fire and Water Restoration Facebook page, Godzilla Media YouTube, and always on demand on Apple and Spotify. You're going to find out more about the great people like my guy, Andy Gelcher, and the whole crew at Mohawk Chevrolet. Cannot wait for that show coming up Monday, August 16th. Come on, say hello. Winner at Mohawk Chevrolet, where they always go out of their way to please you. Now, on to this week's episode of Guys on the Go. Have I been too tough on the Yankees this season? Maybe. I mean, we go through the podcast. I think it was just a few months ago. I was calling for as the biggest push for Boone and Cashman. They're going all in and it's over. How they were playing so terrible. So, yeah, I'd have to defend myself that through these additions of Goss and the Go, I've been pretty tough on the New York Yankees. And rightfully so because this franchise is playing below expectations. But since the trade deadline, the Yankees have been hot. And recently they've won eight of their last nine games. And now they get ready for a stretch coming up where six of their next seven games are against playoff contenders. You get three against the White Sox. You get one game sandwiched in between on a Monday against the Angels and three against the Red Sox. Now, the White Sox are already a playoff team. I know it's not official, but they're 10 games up on the AL Central. Nobody's going to catch them. You should have had that hopefully future wager if you could have. This was always the White Sox division. And quick shout to my guy, Jason Benetti, the voice of the White Sox. Hopefully he's feeling fine vaccinated but tested positive for COVID. Hopefully my guy is doing well, has a speedy recovery. The White Sox are a true test for the Yankees 
to find out whether New York can hang with these teams in the American League, can be a playoff team, or can be watching from home. And then they followed up with Boston. The Red Sox and the Yankees battling for that final spot in the wild card. The Rays also atop the AL East. And Oakland not going away anytime soon. And even Toronto. Toronto's still there three games back. Seattle, they lost. They didn't have the talent. They're still trying to end that drought. But the Yankees beat them in August. The Yankees took care of business against a team that was supposed to be a contender. And that's what the difference of the trade deadline was. New York was aggressive. New York got better. Seattle didn't. So here's the push for the playoffs. You've got everything in front of you. I know you've got another series coming up against the Boston Red Sox in September, but you want to start changing the momentum of the series. You want to start changing people like me who have been Yankee haters and calling this team boring and disappointing. Here's when you do it. Six of your next seven. The White Sox, the Red Sox, and that one game against the Angels. How do you do it? Timely hitting, big bullpen efforts, right managerial moves, the home run ball, how the New York Yankees have been built, what the strengths of these teams were supposed to be. And I say teams because we have different variations of this Yankee team year after year of what's actually going to make this team push to the next level. Here we go, Yankee fan. For all the haters like me that said this team is boring and they're disappointed and every change my mind this week. Beat Chicago, leapfrog over Boston, and all they hate that game earlier in the season, the question marks against Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman. Shh. You get to put that one finger up to your mouth and say, shh, as the Yankees can take control of the American League and their own destiny for the rest of the season. As much as my tone is now changing about the New York Yankees in a positive way, Mets fans, uh, I don't feel the same way about you guys. I told you, this summer, have faith. Believe in your Mets. They're not going to let you down. They got Jacob DeGrom. They got Pete Alonso. Reasons to... Some Mets fans are probably looking back thinking, guys, why did you do that? Why did you tell me to be positive? I've been a Mets fan my whole life, guys. They let me down. I can hear you right through your iPhone right now. Right, right now through your car. Stop yelling at me. I can't hear you. But if you want to leave a message on social media, that's fine. I'll respond. And now I feel like I'm turning on you. I feel like I'm Seth Rollins with the steel chair. I'm about to blast you in the back because, Met fan, I don't want you in the playoffs. I know DeGrom's great. He's injured. I know Pete Alonso is one of the most fun and entertaining players in baseball. I cannot deny that. But I was influenced a little bit by the Philadelphia Philly fan base. It's a lot of Fs right there or Ps, depending on how you want to spell it. When I was out at a sports bar in Wildwood, New Jersey, shout out to my guy Boogie, great time for the bachelor party. And I saw the fans of Philadelphia rooting on this Phillies team in that victory over the Mets where Bryce Harper smashed one of the moon. And I thought to myself, that team, Philadelphia, is who I want to see in the playoffs. When the games are the most exciting, when the fans are into it, and I'm not taking a shot at Mets fans at City Field, I'm talking about how badly I want to see Bryce Harper have his moment. Because as great as Pete Alonso and Jacob DeGrom are and how exciting they can, I've covered that so many times. There's something different about Bryce Harper. There's something different about this Philadelphia Philly team who just a few offseasons ago were aggressive in both bringing in bats and arms. I want to see Bryce Harper be that person that every time he steps to the plate, people start to turn and watch. Barry Bonds had that effect. 
And as good as baseball has been this season, and we're talking about stars stepping up and people caring about what they do on the field, Mike Trout's been injured and the Angels stink. The New York Mets, good, but there's something different. The beard, the swag, the energy, the yelling and screaming, the feel of Bryce Harper in playoff baseball is something I want to be a part of. And I want to see Philadelphia Philly fan cheer on their team and care about it and feel that passion in the stands because when we talked about Major League Baseball's National League side of the bracket, the Dodgers are going to the playoffs, the Padres are going to the playoffs, the Giants are going to the playoffs. Those three teams are locked in. Who's going to catch them? In the NL Central, do you believe in a team that can catch the Milwaukee Brewers? Milwaukee's got a pretty good spot at 7.5 up on everybody else. So the playoff picture is basically set. You got Milwaukee, you got San Francisco, you got LA, and you got San Diego. Only one team's coming out of the NL East. And right now the Mets at a game and a half back of Philadelphia and one game back of Atlanta as the Mets have lost seven of their last ten. Why do you want to see the Mets in? You want to see a New York team in? Okay. If that's as simple as it is, there you go. But I'm talking about the whole course of baseball. Don't you want to see a team that you truly believe can take down one of these teams from the NL West? If you get the Dodgers or the Padres, you're going to get a wild card team versus the best team. So all of a sudden, Philadelphia or Milwaukee have a great chance to get to the World Series, or at least the NLCS. Watching this New York Mets team over the last two weeks, do you call that a World Series caliber team? Or a team that's going to back its way into the postseason? I want to see a hot team get in. I want to see the hottest team in baseball. And I don't know if Philadelphia's got the strength to carry that all the way to September. But what I just saw this past week in August... With Harper and his teammates in the field from the Philadelphia Philly fan base, I nailed it one more time. Let's go. That's a team I want to see him come postseason time. Now, if DeGrom comes back, he's thrown eight shutout innings. Wonderful. But even with that, what would you rather watch? A 2-1 game in the postseason or a 7-6 slugfest with Fernando Tatis Jr. versus Bryce Harper? Give me Philadelphia is now the team I want to see win the NL East and go deep in this postseason. I've followed this mindset, whether it's high school, college, or professional sports, and it's a simple one, and I'm stubborn with it. If you've proven to me before that you can get the job done, I'll believe in you. If I don't have an example in front of you that you can do it, I won't believe you. And that goes for a lot of things, especially for practice for young players who are playing at the high school or college level. If you're good in practice, and trust me, I learned this playing college football might be the reason I spent more time on the sidelines I would have liked, you are going to get on the field because the coach can trust you. They know you can run the plays. They know you're good. They know your level of play. You just can't turn it on for the games so you can beat higher and higher. And that's why I look at these New York Knicks moves and think, I love the Kemba Walker move way more than the Julius Randle extension. And Julius Randle, in the conversation for the MVP award following this past regular season, Jokic for the Denver Nuggets wins it. But then all of a sudden, Julius Randle gets up against the Atlanta Hawks and stinks. He's terrible. I felt embarrassed that I called this guy an MVP candidate for how bad he was against Atlanta. And then you see, when it mattered the most, he was awful. But here's $117 million thanks to my CAA super agents in the sports wing. Not impressed by that. Here's your money. Well, you were good enough. But when we needed you the most, you weren't, but you're still getting paid. Weird taste in my mouth for that. While Kemba Walker 
going back to his days at Rice High School when he used to compete against Derrick Rose in his Chicago Superstar High School. Rice High School, his New York State roots. Sean McDonough's greatest call in the history of his legendary broadcasting career. And I'll put it up against any call of the last 15 years in any sport. The whole play sequence. Cardiac Kemba! Oh, even though I'm not a UConn fan, that call, the step back, the fall down, truly one of the best broadcasting calls in the last 15 years when he knocks down that shot in the Big East Tournament and how far he takes that UConn team. How about all the way the distance? That Connecticut Husky team. And then he goes to the NBA, and he's good. He's effective. He's efficient. He goes to Boston last season. Yes, he's banged up. Celtic fan would have liked him to be on the court a lot more. But he ends up being an all-star. And when he's healthy, he's a 19-5 and guy. 19 points, 5 assists. So you're telling me the New York Knicks add him and Evan Fournier? Okay. The Knicks are there and that mix is a top five team in the Eastern Conference. But when the game's on the line, and we saw this in the first round of the playoffs, the Atlanta Hawks went to Trey Young. And Trey Young put his stamp on the postseason and said, you want to talk about elite players? You want to talk about guys who get the ball when it matters and can knock down the shot? I'll prove it to you now. And he did it. Knicks fans, do you have that feeling when the game's on the line that Julius Randle's going to be the one who makes the big play for you? Are you feeling confident that Julius Randle's going to be the one who pushes you over the top in the fourth quarter and you can actually win a playoff series with him? I don't have that confidence because when it mattered the most, he wasn't good. But I have that confidence in Cardiac Kemba, a player that steps up, whether it's the national championship, a Big East tournament, or even going to a new franchise. Kemba Walker has shown what he can do. Can he stay healthy? It's a question for every athlete. But if you're a Nick fan and you want to get up from 40 to 45 to 50 from a first-round exit to a second or a conference finals as quick as one year, the difference is the playmakers in the fourth quarter. And I have faith that some other broadcaster is going to yell at a Kemba Walker buzzer beater when playoff time comes around for New York basketball fans. Phil Steele is one of the most respected voices in college football as he's published his Phil Steele College Football Season Preview Magazine for 27 years. And let me be the first to claim Phil Steele is an absolute dork. My God. So I was all excited to read this. I was all excited as a college football fan. This was my first edition of the Phil Steele book. So I wanted to find out some previews for the teams and Look at college football season a bit differently, and especially after the COVID-shortened season of 2020, I was even more excited, and still am, more excited for the college football season. And I know I teased my poll. I am working on it. I'm working on getting it up on the website, my top 25 poll, my takes for the upcoming season, predictions, all that stuff. But let me give you a taste of what Phil Steele did for 352 pages of the Phil Steele magazine. I've never, ever, as a sports fan, read more of one writer self-pleasuring himself in print more than Phil Steele. This again, if you can hear that, that's the last page. This was what, like what 352 pages of this was. Let me read the final page of Phil Steele's book. I'll give you a few paragraphs here. Here's really what he wrote talking about the Heisman Trophy. I'm not just picking on the Heisman, but this sums up what Phil Steele does on every single page of this thing. Steele writes... In 2010, Cam Newton surprised everyone as a first-year starter, one year removed from JUCO. 
I had him as a possibility, but no one had him on their main preseason list. In 2011, Robert Griffin III of Baylor, whom I listed as a possibility, edged out Andrew Luck of Stanford and my preseason favorite, Trent Richardson of Alabama. In 2012, Matt Barkley of USC was everyone's favorite to win that season. And yet again, another surprise out of nowhere. Johnny Manziel of Texas A&M, who is not even projected by most to be the Yankee quarterback, I had him projected, became the first Frost ever to win the award. In 2013, Jameis Winston became the second Frost to win the award, and while no one had him as the favorite in the preseason, I did list him as a contender in that year's magazine. In 2014, Marcus Mariota was my choice for the Heisman, and he finished second. I can't even read any more of this. You get the idea. I'm going to get sick to my stomach if I keep watching it, because who gives a shit, Phil? Nobody cares. Nobody thought to themselves, you know what? I don't think Phil Steele really knows college football. Does he really get any of this stuff right? I mean, the guy wrote 350 pages worth of coverage for three deeps from the MAC to the SEC. Ah, you know, I kind of question his college football knowledge. Who is doing that? Honestly, who is questioning somebody who does this type of coverage? That you have to self-pleasure yourself page after page, pat yourself on the back and fish for compliments, paragraph after paragraph. My God, Phil, enough. Nobody cares. Nobody. They bought your magazine. They already think you're smart. That's why they bought your magazine. I never thought to myself, you know what? Uh, I'm going to buy the Phil Steele magazine, but I swear to God, if he doesn't have the 2012 Heisman Trophy winner right, I'm not buying it. I'm not doing it. If he doesn't get the prediction right of this line spread in a conference USA game right from 2018, I'm not buying this shit. I'm not. It's it's garbage. Nobody thinks that. I was so I wasn't disappointed because the coverage is good, but I'm just so blown away that writers 30 years into this continue to fish for compliments or have that small of an ego or that fragile of an ego. My God, Jay Mariotti who used to be all over ESPN, has a column with our guys over at Barrett Sports Media. Every single week, he rips ESPN. Every single week. This guy was one of the most accomplished sports writers in history. But weekly, he has to still take shots at around the horn. He can't move on. Please, stop. Please don't have that fragile of an ego. Take some criticism. I want to write an anti-Phil Steele book to see if he'll actually make his book longer next year. If you are a professional wrestling fan, you know the best professional wrestling product from in-ring to promos to characters and everything else has really been NXT. Formerly of Wednesday nights, now on Tuesday nights, the product has been better than Raw, SmackDown, and before AEW fan screams at me, I said three years, AEW has not been a long ride as much as NXT has been so far, but many this week are calling it the end of an era in NXT as more than double digit wrestlers were released from the brand, including bigger names like Bronson Reed, Mercedes Martinez and others. Why were these athletes and wrestlers released? The story really doesn't have a true answer to that rumor innuendo as Conrad Thompson likes to say is that there might be changes involving NXT that Triple H is no longer the head of NXT. That NXT is no longer trying to be a third brand, but instead it's going back to being a developmental brand, the true minor leagues of professional wrestling when we talk about WWE. And as much as I've loved NXT, 
as much as it served truly as the alternative brain to Raw and SmackDown and where they kind of were making themselves somewhere in the comparison of ECW of the past and WCW of the past. And that's why it got popular. Maybe, just maybe, we should have seen this coming. That it actually was more predictable than we realized. Because let's take it from 50 feet out. NXT was doing well. Everybody praised NXT for all the things I just said. But also during that time, Raw has been terrible. The flagship show for the WWE has truly, ratings-wise, I don't want to do attendance because that's not fair because we all know why, never been worse. It's been terrible. SmackDown has a huge contract with Fox, but the reason why the criticism of SmackDown has not been there as much is, yes, the product's been better than Raw, but also it really never got off on the right foot on Fox because of what we just said, COVID-19. Not having the fans, not really being able to gauge the ratings and everything else. So NXT gets all the praise. So Vince McMahon, who runs the company, thinks to himself, okay, if I have a developmental system and Raw's not doing well, and I care more about Raw than I do about this product. Let's make Raw and SmackDown better. Triple H is saying how great these talents are and how everybody loves it. Let's just let people love the main brands, if you want to call them that. Let's call up the superstars and see what happens. Some could point to the carrying cross situation, the champion in NXT and going up and going up against Jeff Hardy and match being over in less than two minutes and Hardy beating him, saying, okay, I thought this was a superstar. Where's the reaction? Let's take away the entrance. Let's take away Scarlet. Let's take... He's not that big of a deal. I'm not impressed by him. This is what could have happened with Vince McMahon. Some rumors may or may not believe that's what happened. But I feel bad for NXT because they've had opportunities to be cool and it's actually happened. They sold out the Barclays Center five plus years ago and they've shown they can go on the road and make things happen. But AEW, the perception is that when NXT went up against AEW, AEW, all elite wrestling beat them. And Vince McMahon doesn't want to lose. He didn't want to lose in the Monday Night Wars in the 1990s. He doesn't want to lose to another product now. And said, okay, guess what? If we lost and we had to move off of Wednesday nights because we wanted a different audience and we're not seeing that audience increase, we're going back old school. We're pushing Raw to get better. We're pushing Schmet. We're pushing SmackDown to get better. And if NXT is not going to be as good, Fine. I'm more concerned about Raw and SmackDown and increasing the Peacock numbers and everything else. That's what we care about. And if you've got such great athletes, let's see them come up to the big leagues and see what they can do. NXT is not going to be the same anymore. And with all these cuts and releases, I've been saying it podcast after podcast. I know it's a broken record, but people just continue to think Tony Khan has deepest pockets as he does. They're not going to sign everybody. Some of these wrestlers, wrestling in NXT is the most popular they will ever be in their careers. The future of NXT, they're going to try to sell it like it's exciting like it used to be. It's really not. But it's not a bad thing for the WWE product. Raw and SmackDown can get better. And if you're an NXT fan, don't be anti-Raw or SmackDown. Embrace your favorite wrestlers. Cheer them on and hope the overall product of professional wrestling, both in the WWE and because of the competition, All Elite Wrestling gets better as well. The National Arena League Championship game this Saturday. The hometown team, the Albany Empire, taking on the Columbus Lions kickoff set for 7 o'clock. You can watch the game and be a part of the broadcast on the NAL YouTube page where I will be calling the play-by-play. My pal, 
Joey Haas will be doing some color commentary. Our guys from Football on the Know will be live on the scene, so make sure to follow Jimmy and Joe Football on the Know as they're going to be giving you the cool behind-the-scenes stuff with the introductions and everything else happening right down there on the field. Well, I'll be up in the booth rocking a sports coat and a sweaty white T-shirt with no sleeves. Kind of look like sleeves. So here we go. Making my return to play-by-play be very gentle with me because it's been a little bit. Trust me, I'm already sweating thinking about how perfect I want this broadcast to be, and that's how high my expectations are, but I feel like it's going to be a really fun broadcast. I want to preview the game. I want to talk about what I think is going to happen and give a pick and talk. I can't. I have to be the professional play-by-play broadcaster. Just to remind people, had that bachelor party, that prior commitment last week. Back for the championship. Joey Haas, again, my color commentator. I'll be on play-by-play. Should be a great game. I've covered both teams. As you already know, I call the color commentary for the Empire. I've seen the Columbus Lions. It's the best team by far after the Albany Empire. So it's 1-2, which is what it should be for the championship game. Looking forward to it. We're going to get, thanks to Techies Fire and Water Restoration, your best way back to normal, tefirewater.com. Go out and support the Empire. Mike Corda doing a fantastic job. At one point, his media relations guy was LeVac, and then he gets elevated to team president, Techies Fire and Water Restoration. If you're a fan of the Albany Empire, if you're a fan of LeVac, if you're a fan of Godzilla Media, go out and support Techies Fire and Water Restoration. Write down their number. Remember it. TEFirewater.com. Leave a comment. Ask questions. Hey, I heard about you on the Gaz podcast. Getting there with Gaz. Gaz on the go. LeVac and Gaz. Yeah. Okay. They'll know what to do. Techies Fire and Water Restoration, your best way back to normal. TEFireWater.com and join us 7 o'clock for the Albany Empire game. I can't make a pick. All I can tell you is it's going to live up to the hype inside the Times Union Center. Few, if any, people in my media career or maybe even my fan friends know the story I'm about to tell. That's why I love doing this podcast format. Get to be real and authentic and share stories I've never shared before with anybody. Involving the legendary and now late head coach... Bobby Bowden. I was so fortunate to talk to Coach Bowden a handful of times over the last seven years, usually right around the same time when Syracuse football would play Florida State football. We would reach out to Coach Bowden, and by reach out, I mean he'd work through an agent. We'd schedule the interview, and sure enough, he'd come on. And back in 2017, it wasn't public knowledge that Coach Bowden did one of the interviews with LeVac and I from the hospital. He said, I'm checking out today, so I had time to do it. It kept my mind off of things. And I don't even know if LeVac remembers that, but he was so sick. And we're like, Coach, we don't have to do this. No, 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 boys. We're doing the interview. I said, okay. <laughs> At that time, he was 88. And he's doing an interview from the hospital just because he wants to talk football with us. Didn't sound great, but Coach did that. But Coach Bowden, and what he meant for my career, goes way back to September of 2014. And you've heard the stories. My guy Josh Murray, the history of the first quarter and what that show meant to me, having my own show in my hometown. Being so young and that being the first month of the show, I had to do something that I knew nobody else might be doing. And again, we talk about advice here on getting there with guys and guys on the go into these podcasts. I hope I can leave advice for young media members and people doing this. My advice was do something different to make yourself stand out and be respectable. Do it the right way. Be a professional. 
And I thought there was no bigger name to book for Syracuse, Florida State Week than Coach Bombi Bounden. Sure enough, he said he'd do the interview. And I was floored. I, said, I could not believe he was going to do it. But it was one of the few times ever, truly, that I got nervous. That I thought, okay, it's my first two weeks on this show by myself. I'm hyping up Bobby Bowden. It's going to be on the show. What if this interview sucks? What if I'm not good? What if he doesn't like me? If Coach Bobby Bowden doesn't like you or puts you over, is a term I love to say, then it's over for your show. People aren't going to come back if you can't nail this interview and make it good. And I started getting in my own head that I wasn't going to do well. So I went to the man-child Jim Lurch. And if you missed that interview, check it out Getting There with God. Somebody who I'd listened to growing up in Syracuse. And it was this weird conversation. Not weird because of how it went, but weird because I'm thinking, in some ways you could view us as competition because we're all hosting shows on the Score 1260 but in the man-child, Mike Lindsay and myself. And I went to him and I said, what do I do? Like, how, how do I make this comfortable? Do I go X's and O's? I don't think I don't think that's the right way to do it. I don't know if he knows the starting defensive tackle on this team. Do I play it easy? Do I put him at ease? And he said, just do the interview. He may not know the X's and O's, but tell stories and have people reminisce. And Coach Bowden might do that out of the gates. He told me, man-child, he goes, look, he goes, I think he'll put you at ease before you get a chance because he's done this so many times. And I said to Manchild, I go, you know what would make me feel really good? What would really boost my confidence is that when I have an interview with somebody, and Scott Hansen did this for me a month ago, and that's why Scott Hansen is the greatest interview you can have. Out of the gates, he said, what's up, guys? How you been, man? Even though we had never talked before, you listening to that interview must have thought I knew Scott Hansen. I said, if he calls me Coach Bounded by my first name, at some point in this interview, I'm going to know I nailed the interview. And this, I don't even know if I have rights to this audio. So I might have to take this down at some point. If you're listening at the right time, thank you. If you get blank audio here, you know why. This was Coach Bowden's first response. All I did was welcome him to the airwaves of Syracuse, New York. And here is Coach Bowden's response to me. September 2014, a young guy's trying to interview Coach Bowden. Tom, it's good to talk to you. I remember some eight games we had up there in Syracuse, a lot of it in the snow and ice. <laughs> then y'all decide to go inside, thank goodness. Coach Bowden put me at ease, called me by Tom to feel friendly in the interview, could tell I was a little young, and opened with a joke to make sure it wasn't that hard of an interview, to make sure to take the stress off of it. Coach Bowden did that for a young radio host when he didn't have to, and I had so much more confidence not just for that show, but for the rest of my career going forward, thinking even though it's a far bigger name and maybe more accomplished than anything you ever do in your career, you can handle this if you handle it like a pro. And I remember what my now wife, then girlfriend, told me about that. She used to say about the show, the first quarter, and even Levac and guys, she'd always say, I'm not a fan of the interviews. Really? No. She goes, I don't like the interviews. Sometimes it talks about stuff I don't really know about what's going on. Sometimes you have some funny stuff, but it's more fun when you have the chemistry with Josh or Levac or somebody else. That's what I like. And at that point, she said, I don't know who that grandpa you had on the show today was, but that's my favorite interview you've ever done. That grandpa she was talking about was Coach Bobby Bowden. Rest in peace, Coach. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Goss on the Go. 
Talk to you next week.